a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Democratic Socialism. It's a term we've heard a lot over the last five years as both a positive and as an extreme negative. But do you know what socialists actually believe? And what their vision is for the United States? Yes, we're going behind the headlines. We're going beyond the talking points. We're going to talk socialism. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. We're very pleased to have back on the program Ben Burgess, whose initial book, Canceling Comedians While the World Burns, a critique of the contemporary left by Ben Burgess. He also has a new book out uh, in December, Christopher Hitchens, how he, excuse me, he also has a new book out, Christopher Hitchens, what he got right, how he went wrong, and why he still matters. That'll be coming out in December. And uh, Ben, thanks for uh, carving out some time for us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Wonderful. Well, I want to continue our conversation. This is one of those where we can kind of dive in and and dig in a little bit in terms of uh, where things are. Uh, I want to start with just kind of this idea of democratic socialism. You hear it bantied about and uh, usually in derogatory terms from someone on the far right or, you know, people in the center left. Uh, Tell Mm -hmm. us just a little bit about what should we really be thinking of when we hear democratic socialism? The kind of policies that democratic socialists would support in the here and now things like Medicare for all, you know, in other words, having a healthcare system like the one that they have in Canada and universal uh, childcare, you know, so things like this uh, that can take care of some people's basic needs in ways that don't rely on the the market taking care of it. I think a lot of people when they say they're democratic socialists, that's all they mean. Now cards at the table. It's not all I mean. Yeah. You know, I, my long-term dreams, you know, would uh, would go a lot further than that. Although I'm I'm under no illusions that most people in the United States in you know the year of our Lord 2021, you know, are are uh, prepared to you know to go as far as I'd ultimately like to. Uh, but I but I do think a lot of those those kind of short-term agenda items. Yeah are actually pretty broadly uh, popular right now. Yeah, so as you as you look at that, you kind of talk about it in terms of uh, there being a, a moment uh, for mm-hmm. these kinds of policies. So why do you think this is the moment to, to be having those discussions? And I think these discussions are important, regardless mm-hmm. of where people are. Uh, I, I think you and I share something in common in, in mm-hmm. that we can call out uh, both the left and the right <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of their inability to actually uh, hold sure. on to the principles they profess to believe during those campaigns that you that you just mentioned. Uh-huh. Uh, but why do you think this is a, a a moment for some of these principles? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people have been experiencing a lot of economic precarity over the course of the last really couple decades, especially the last you know, 13 years since the uh, the economic crash in 2008. And just to try to make that concrete, you know, think about the difference between uh, being a cab driver in 2005. He's probably a uh, a union member, definitely has, you know, has health insurance. Uh, you know, he has a decent amount of job security. Uh, think about the difference between that person and somebody who's an Uber driver yeah. in 2021. They have none of those things. They have a, a rating, you know, that they <laughs> that they constantly uh, they constantly worry about. Uh, they have no particular guarantee of you know future income. You know, they're certainly not unionized, and there's an excellent chance they don't even have uh, have health insurance. And I think that that's a trajectory that lots of people in lots of different parts of, of the economy have, in their own ways, mm. gone through. You know, I think these are things that do create a lot of appetite for those kinds of democratic, you know, socialist policies that I'm talking about, or at the very least, they're enough that, that you know, they create a sympathetic hearing for it, you know, yeah. when, when people when people hear it. Although, again, I, I, I would distinguish because I want to be careful about this. I think sometimes people who think what I think fall into the trap of thinking that, like, everybody's just on board. It's just it's just uh, it's just all the only problem is that corrupt politicians standing in the way or something. And, and that I don't think that's really true. You know, I, yeah. I think that I, I think that there's a lot of work to be done in sort of convincing people that these things actually could happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think at least in the I think at least in the abstract, I think a lot more people like the idea of it, uh, you know, now than was the case in 2005. You know, that S word, you know, socialism is probably uh, much less scary to a lot of people now than, you know, would have been the case, you know, certainly 20, you know, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's an interesting uh, component to that. And and, and I want to dig down just Mm -hmm. because we want to be curious about uh, all of this in terms of because I do think there is a uh, as you said, there's a kind of a, a march towards or a, some steps towards people saying, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, and is it a, is it a security thing? So many of these things mm-hmm. seem to create more certainty uh, mm-hmm. uh, in our lives. And so that's kind of one component to it. And then there's sort of, and so I think those parts are popular or, or I think the polling would be good around those kinds of things. Seems to me that where the public isn't there yet is, okay, that sounds good. How do we pay for that? We've even seen some of that pushback mm-hmm. in some of the Biden uh, administration's proposals that they are in agreement in terms of concept, but in terms of the pay-fors and the reality, kind of going back to how you framed it, Ben, mm-hmm. uh, where, where are we on those? I mean, the frustrating thing for me about the Biden stuff, a lot of this was a known goal, but uh, it was always framed in terms of the the price tag and, and very, very rarely mm. in terms of what all this was paid for. Like I heard the phrase, you know, three and a half trillion dollars, one and a half trillion dollars over and over and over again, you know, but the discussion is is all about the numbers, which of course feeds into exactly what you're talking about, right? Because it's like, well, first of all, it sounds like an incredible amount of money, you know, which I would argue that there's a little bit of a double standard because we don't do that with like the military budget, you know, for example, yeah. you know, yeah, for, exactly. for, for 10 years, if we did, <laughs> it would be a lot more money than that. But I think that when it's the discussion about the money, then then yeah, then what you're talking about, you know, is, is a big, I think it's going to have a lot more traction, you know, with a lot more people. Whereas- when it's a discussion about what the money is for, then at least the you know there's a fighting chance of you know of getting people on board with doing those things. 
economic mobility, you know, giving people, you know, giving people second chances in life, you know, I, I, I think is, is actually really important. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, like, I mean, I feel like every argument ever, you know, with, with somebody's, uh, you know, Republican uncle at Thanksgiving, you know, where were they, uh, they talk about, you know, the, uh, the minimum wage and the guy says, well, you know, this is just supposed to be for people starting out, you know, if they want to be paid more money, they, they, they should go back to school. It's like, okay, well, let's at least make it easier, <laughs> you know, for them to, uh, to go back to school. Right. You know, so, yeah. so I think, I, I mean, I don't think what you're talking about can be avoided entirely because sure. even though, even though I do think that there is a discussion to be had about reallocated existing money mm. right you know like do we really need to have however many you know hundreds of you know military bases around the entire world you know could we spend some of that yeah. on domestic social spending you know and also of course you know it's I, I think what does pull very well is is higher taxes for rich people you know what what pulls less well is higher taxes for everybody else right <laughs> uh, you know and uh but I, I don't think you could ultimately avoid that last one because I, I i think that even though even though i do want to pull back you know the military spending even though i do want to tax rich people more ultimately I think realistically, a lot of the stuff you do need to to tax even working class people, you know, above a certain income threshold more. Uh, but I think the case has to be that you're getting back more than you're you're putting yeah. in, and I, I think that's a winnable argument. I think there I think there are countries elsewhere in the world where that that's that's an argument that's been won. But I think that that when the entire discussion is framed in terms of price tag then obviously you're yeah. not going to win that argument because people only have the vaguest idea yeah. of what they're getting what that back. Means. And- yeah. We're going to stay with the conversation. Yes, we're going to stay with the socialism conversation because there's so much to learn and to think about. We talk about in our next segment how we can sharpen our own thinking and get more clarity on what does matter most as we continue our conversation with Ben Burgess socialism is it the right thing what about cancel culture we'll take it all up coming up next i'm dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast cold don't miss cold's new season three where i look into the unsolved disappearance of sheree warren a woman last seen leaving her job at a salt lake city office in 1985 police cast suspicion on sheree's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. I want to shift gears just a, a little mm. bit with you, Ben. Uh, it's something else that you've uh, spoken out a lot on. Yeah. Uh, and that is uh, all of the, the cancel culture mm. thing mm-hmm. of and. W- and again, this is this is all across the board. Uh, but when is it that we can actually, uh, you know, stop worrying about what somebody tweeted as a 13 year old, you know, while they were playing a, <laughs> a game? Uh, and when can we get back to this idea of really debating ideas, having the big idea debates as opposed to the personality debates or the weaponization of words or what somebody meant, you know, on a Facebook post, mm-hmm. you know, from their their high school years? Uh, just give us some insight on that. Yeah, God, I I really hope soon. Uh, So, I mean, I think there are probably a few things going on there. Some of them are just kind of probably not going away anytime soon because they're they're built into things like how the technology works or how... um, or how American workplaces typically work, right? So like, so, so that one, the fact that Twitter 
at all these other platforms, you know, that the, the sort of record lives on, you mm-hmm. know, forever in, in the way it does, obviously makes it much easier to do this stuff. I mean, I often think, I actually remember in, uh, during the 2020 cycle, there was this uh, campaign staffer for Bernie Sanders, Ben Mora, who uh, was fired after somebody leaked to the Daily Beast a bunch of off-color things that he tweeted actually on this protected account. You had to be an approved follower, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to see it. And clearly he approves the wrong follower, right? He's probably too, uh, he's probably too, too uh, you know, not nearly as careful as he, uh, as he should have been about that. You know, he's, he's a young gay guy who's would sort of make like a certain kind of joke about people's appearances mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. You know, I get the idea. And all I could think as I read this over is that actually like all this stuff was was pretty mild, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in the greater scheme of things. And man, I'm so lucky that when I was his age, I didn't have access right. to <laughs> to this technology because if somebody had been sitting outside of like the bar where I would like hang out with my friends in my, my early 20s and record all the conversations, I said a thousand things that were worse than anything that Ben Morris said. Uh, you know, like it's, it's uh, you know, and, and I, I sort of don't trust anybody who says that they haven't, right? You know, right. That, yeah, uh, exactly. that you, you, you've never... <laughs> You've never told a joke that, you know, that looking back on it, you know, you, you regret, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Right. You know, I think, I think, I think everybody has, I sort of suspect you've been a strange robot, you know, if, if, uh, if, if you talk exactly the same way when you think you're among friends as, you know, as, as if you, as if you don't. And so that's one issue. And then I think, I think the fact that most Americans work at workplaces without will employment. So there's this, that real terror of like being doxxed, you know, that you'll, yeah. uh, that, that you'll just be, you know, that you can just be fired, you know, with, with, with no, you know, not much due process and no appeal. Uh, and, uh, and those things, unfortunately, are probably not going away anytime soon. I do hope, think that maybe some of the fever pitch of some of the stuff we've seen lately might be winding down in the near future because i think that i think that like it feels to me like it may be the last year and change year and a half uh you know since you know the summer of 2020 uh when uh in that you know post george floyd moment uh when there were these this unprecedented wave of just giant you know protests and riots and unrest you know because because of, uh, you know, police violence, you know, it's the original issue, although, you know, although it spread to a lot of other things, uh, that I, I think that we saw something really depressing in all of that, which is that sometimes when you can't do the thing that you really want to do, right, you end up just doing whatever is in your power to mm. do, you know? And so I think that uh, changing the way policing works is incredibly difficult. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a really hard, you know, political lift, even if you figure it out exactly right. what, you know, reforms you even want. Right. And yep. so, but symbol, symbolism, getting street signs changed, getting people fired, all this stuff is incredibly easy. Yeah. Right? You know, like, right. like there's, there's no, <laughs> no problem at all doing that. Right. So all of the energy that was originally about the first thing, so much of it got redirected into the second thing that, you know, that, well, if, if you, if you can't do much to, you know, to change uh, the sort of balance of power, you know, between police yeah. and, you know, communities, uh, at least you can, you know, at least you can get that statue removed, which, you know, I think there are, I think a lot of those statues, I, you know, 
would support removing if we're talking about like a Confederate general or something. But you saw this weird thing where once you got rid of the really objectionable statues, then people started going after like gray area statues. And then, you know, eventually there are people that's like, ah, maybe even Lincoln, right? Maybe we don't even want that one, right? You know, and and it it gets really silly, right? You know, but like, because you need to do the symbolic uh, you know, if you can't do the substantive thing, you end up doing the symbolic thing, right. and then. And don't you think that uh, often makes us uh, kind of chase the motion versus the forward movement? You talk about the first thing uh, being and, and keeping the first thing the first thing, uh, and uh, sometimes we get so wrapped up in some some motion uh, that we, yeah. that we really never make the forward movement, or or we end up you know doing. Uh, I think what Washington often ends up doing, which which is. Uh, you know, just doing anything, doing something so they can say yeah, they yeah. did something. And I, I always had when I was in Washington, I always uh, kind of had the flip of uh, the the old phrase, you know, don't stand there, do something. I, I had the reverse of that. It's like, no, don't do something. Stand there, <laughs> you know, just yeah. be still for a second and uh, and do that. And, and Ben, one of the things I want to get to with you, yeah. and this is uh, our listeners get yeah. this, that uh, I, I have often said the thing that makes me most worried about the country is mm. that we are so getting so isolated in our own little media feeds and our own bubbles of mm. echo chambers uh, that we're losing our curiosity. And mm-hmm. I think that's the greatest threat to to democracy and the republic And is that when we stop being curious about, well, why does he think that way? Or why does she have uh. that point of view? Or why does she think that that policy is the best thing? One of the things that you've been a, a great model on, Ben, is you, you debate conservatives, libertarians, uh, and have – conversations tell me what that does for your curiosity and what those conversations are like and why they're important to you that's actually very connected you know to what we're we're just talking about right because some people on the left uh have this sort of weird view about that that like you shouldn't do it because it's it i don't know you're legitimizing you know bad people you know by when, when you when you talk to them by the way man i would love to live in a world where um, you know, I don't know. Charlie Kirk was 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 uh, you know was like thrilled that I had legitimized him, you know, by by, by talking to him. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that's the one we live in. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, in the uh, in the real world, you know, a lot of these people have have far bigger. You do wonders for him, by the way, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's right, that's right. I really gave him his big break, uh, you know. But uh, uh, but I think that also. You know, the other way that that it's connected is that a lot of the sort of impetus towards, you know, redirecting energy around um, social justice in the real sense of that term, not the sort of degraded Internet sense, like having a more just set of social institutions, a lot of that energy being redirected towards like canceling individuals uh, uh, is is about, um, you know, this this kind of obsession with, uh, you know, individual moral character in ways that um that i think are incredibly unhelpful uh because um you know because you don't you know if you're you know if your project is to figure out who's going to heaven you know then then you know sure i guess all this makes sense right if if your project is to uh, is to convince as many people as possible of your ideas, so uh, so that you can win some political battles. That it, it makes no sense. It's actually incredibly, uh, it's actually incredibly counterproductive. Yeah. Uh, but what what does make sense is is talking to as many people as at all possible. And I, so I think this is one of the most important reasons to to do these these debates because. Uh, it's really in the normal course of things the only chance you ever get to talk to somebody else's audience. 
So don't panic. Don't worry. We're not uh, becoming the socialist network. But I do think it's important to listen. And I think it's really important to be curious. One of the things that I love about Ben Burgess is he helps me stay honest with myself. He helps me stay sharp in terms of what I think. And he causes me to question, why do I believe what I believe, whether that's on principle or whether that's on policy? So we can disagree. We can do it better. We can elevate the conversation. We're going to continue to do that. So stay with us right here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.